You are listening to John DeYard's Life Spa, your premier source for health news in Ayurveda, where modern science meets ancient wisdom. Okay, so how do we address our ideal weight? How do we get our ideal weight according to Ayurveda, whether you want to gain weight or lose weight? Bring your weight back into balance is very, very important. Um, there's very interesting, you know, in 1961, I've talked about this, I've written about this, that they took cholesterol and they blamed cholesterol, which is saturated fat, basically, on a lot of our problems, obesity, heart disease, vascular issues, circulation issues, things like that. And uh, uh, this year, this, this uh, January, in fact, the FDA put out their, their every five year they put out a, a dietary guideline. And the guy that they were talking about it for a while, they were going to take cholesterol off the nutrient concern list, and they did in January. And uh, I got an article coming out about that. And, and, um, and what's really interesting is that cholesterol, which is fat, saturated fat, we think it makes us gain weight because it's heart disease. It turns out that they said that that's actually not true anymore. You can eat eggs, you can eat butter, and these things. Although, they are slowly opening the door to that saturated fats are okay. But the studies really show that there's no real direct link between cholesterol, saturated fats, and heart disease. That there is a, um, a link, which is uh, an independent risk factor for heart disease, which is called triglycerides. And those are on your blood test too, and you can look at them and you can see, and that number should be under 100 if you want to be ideal, have your ideal weight, and have your ideal balance. Now, here's an interesting thing about triglycerides, and how does that relate to fat? Because cholesterol is more about heart disease, and, but triglycerides are the ones that turn into fat. So you eat a lot of fatty food, and that extra fat, or a lot of calories, or sugary foods, things like that, those extra calories get stored in your body or converted in your body as triglycerides. And those triglycerides are stored in your fat cells as reserve fuel. So you could have extra energy down the road. Um, and your body will use that fuel to give you energy in between meals. Uh, it'll use that energy during the winter time. Uh, a lot of uh, research uh, in the paleo camps who say that you know, fruits are sort of not so good because they're sugary and the sugar turns to triglycerides. The fructose turns to triglycerides and basically stores right as fat and the body doesn't use it as energy. Well, I think we need to put a, a seasonal kind of overlay on top of that. If you're a bear and you're gorging on cherries or end of summer apples or fruits, all that fructose would be way more than you need for energy and the extra is gonna get stored as fat, which the bear will draw on for the entire winter so they don't starve to death. And they gain an extra layer of fat for insulation so they don't freeze to death. Well, it isn't a mistake that the sweetest fruits are harvested at the end of the summer and that those fruits are turned into triglycerides very easily and store an extra layer of fat on us for insulation. And, and also gives us the ability to make energy last for the, for the long winter where food may not be so abundant. So it's a beautiful understanding. The problems are when we overshoot the triglyceride runway, and we overshoot that runway by doing things like um, not exercising, 
the way we should. We are hardwired, genetically wired. We've evolved by moving. Some studies say, you know, nine to 12 miles per day. A lot of activity. We never, 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 never were sedentary, never sat in front of a computer all day long. We have lots of new science coming up about the, the, the detriment of the circulation system of just actually, you know, uh, not moving our body regularly throughout the day, how important that is. Um, uh, stress is a factor that can damage the good fats. A poor, highly processed diet uh, is, a, is a one that causes the, the excess amount of bad fats or triglycerides. And um, also, um, gaining weight, of course, is directly linked to sort of overshooting the calorie runway, having extra fuel if we stuck in your fats as a reserve and then the body th stores it and that creates real problems and it's linked to not only obesity but blood sugar issues and the, the more we don't regulate blood sugar in our blood the more that sugar gets stored as more triglycerides and more fat and creates more damage and more problems um, and the more we have overshoot the runway of triglycerides there's direct links to that causing inflammation of the arteries and, and uh, irritation of the arteries and, and damage of the heart and the circulatory system as well. So triglycerides are sort of the new risk factor that you can just take a quick look at your old blood test and see if the number's under 100. If it's under 100, you're great. Um, usually what happens when triglycerides go up, your HDL levels go down, and HDL levels are your high-density lipoproteins that take the bad cholesterols out. So if you have lots of extra sugar in your diet and extra food in your diet, then the HDL levels tend to go down and that's a problem. So one of the, I've written an article or two about this new, it was, done, it was a Harvard study, uh, it was published in the, the journal Circulation, and they found that if you take your triglyceride levels and you divide it by your HDL levels, let's say your, your triglyceride levels are 100, and your uh, HDL levels are 50, well, the 50 goes into 100 twice. If you have a ratio of triglyceride levels over your HDL levels, and it goes in around two or less, you're in pretty darn good shape in terms of the quality of your triglycerides. It's linked to better blood sugar, better uh, cholesterol levels, heart issues. They, they, they relate that to the, the good kind of fat particles. The big fluffy ones are really good. The tiny ones are really bad. So that relationship, either just low triglycerides under 100 or having a ratio that's under 2 or around 2 is what you're looking for in that department. So how do you get that? Well, you want to make sure you're exercising well and regularly. You want to make sure you're eating a good healthy diet, not eating a lot of bad fats. That's really important because bad fats congest your liver and cause more triglyceride issues. Um, and um, you want to make sure that we do a couple of more things that I want to talk about. One of the things that I thought was really super interesting is that triglycerides are made of carbon, hydrogen, and, um, and oxygen. And one-fifth of the triglyceride molecule is oxygen. And four-fifths of that triglyceride mo molecule is carbon and hydrogen, which basically turns into carbon dioxide. So when your body is burning fat, a new study, a good study that came out in the, in the, in the uh, British Journal of Medicine um, found that we release a lot of the triglyceride fats out of the body by breathing. 
and how important it is to breathe. And when you breathe from the lower lobes of your lungs, where you have about 60 to 80% of the saturation of the blood, which is called the alveoli, in the lower lobes of your lungs is where all the blood hangs out. It's what they call a gravity-fed system. In the upper lungs, the blood sort of just gets, you know, drips down into the lower lungs, and there's not a lot up there. There's alveoli up there, but they're not as perfused, and they don't exchange as much oxygen uh, and CO2 out, oxygen in, as they do in the lower lobes of your lungs. So when you breathe efficiently, and of course, you know, my first book, Body Minus Four, is all about deep nasal breathing exercise and becoming, having full respiratory capacity so you can breathe all the way into the lower lobes of your lungs, 26,000 breaths per day you take. And when you do that, you're perfusing oxygen in in a more efficient manner. But more importantly, and the most important thing is you're getting waste out. CO2, most of your triglycerides are being burned as you breathe. People don't realize that your breathing is a major source of detoxification of fats in your body. So if you're not breathing well, you're not going to burn fat well. So it's a, it was an interesting study showed that that breathing is a major way that we get rid of fat in our body. So one way to bring your weight back into balance is to make sure you're breathing in an efficient manner. In addition to breathing deeply, you have receptors in the lower lungs, baroreceptors, bar, bar that in the lower lungs predominate more parasympathetic dominant activity, calm, relaxing, chill handle uh, stress, rebuild, rejuvenate uh, kind of receptors in the lower lobes of your lungs. And when the upper lungs are for fight or flight receptors, you see in the bear in the woods, take a gasping breath, upper chest, emergency, life-threatening situation. And you, in the life-threatening situation, the body stores fat and craves more sugar. You know what I mean? So this is sort of our culture is that we're oftentimes very, very stressed and the brain pulls down the menu, how do I get unstressed? And it starts craving sugar. And the more stressed we are, the more the rib cage gets tight, the more we start breathing like little rabbits 26,000 times per day, activating receptors in the upper lobes of your lungs, telling you that your life is an emergency 26,000 times a day. Now, if you breathe through your nose, the turbinates in your nose drive air all the way into the lower lobes of your lungs. And they activate calm receptors in the lower lobes of your lungs. And not only are we actually exchanging waste, CO2, four-fifths of your triglyceride molecule out of your body by breathing through your nose deeply. You're also activating parasympathetic dominance activation, which our study in the, published in the International Journal of Neuroscience, when we actually measured nasal breathing versus mouth breathing, we saw that there was a significant amount of, amount of parasympathetic dominance when you breathe through your nose, which means that the body gets super calm. And when you're calm, the body burns the calm fuel, which is your fat. Fat is calm fuel, stable fuel, long-lasting fuel, sleep through the night, handle stress fuel. It's your chill fuel. And most people don't burn the chill fuel anymore in our culture. We become super lousy at burning fat as a culture. And the problem with that, it doesn't matter if you're fat or skinny. If, you, if you're stressed out, some people actually you know, lose weight when they get stressed out. And some people are really good at taking that stress and taking the, the extra fuel that they eat for their brain, the extra sugar that they eat, they overshoot the calorie runway, and that gets stored as fat, and we gain weight. So depending on your constitution, you may gain or lose weight, but the key, whether you gain or lose it when you're under stress, is to deal with the stress and to make yourself a better fat burner. So one take-home technique right away, I've written a bunch of articles about this, is become, absolutely, become a very important nasal breather 
when you exercise. Learn how to breathe through your nose when you exercise. Use exercise as a model for handling stress in your life, which it is. And if you breathe through your nose and get air all the way into the lower lobes of your lungs while you're exercising, the body's going, yeah, I'm working really hard, but my nervous system is telling that I'm really super calm. It's what I call the eye of the hurricane effect. The bigger the calm, the more calm you are, the more powerful the winds. That's what a hurricane is. The bigger the eye, the more powerful the winds. The bigger your calm, the more productive you are in your life, the more able, able you are to, able to handle stress in your life. And, and, and that's what it's like, learning how to handle stress like water for ducks back so you don't trigger sugar burning, cravings, you trigger fat burning, even in the midst of stress. That's the key, right? Trigger fat burning even in the midst of stress. So, step one, use exercise as a demand for oxygen and you deliver that demand through your nose. And so you get oxygen in the lower lobes of your lungs, activate parasympathetic dominance, and you breathe out all these yucky triglycerides that might be causing us damage. Very cool, right? And you gotta breathe anyway 26,000 times a day. So might as well do that. Now, I have written a lot recently about the brain lymphs. Our last podcast was about the brain lymphs that they just discovered six to eight months ago that they didn't even know existed before, that dump three pounds of toxic plaque out of your brain every year, and how important your lymphatic system is for this kind of drainage. Well, when you breathe, when they, in ancient Ayurveda, when they talked about breathing techniques, and they use pranayama techniques, breathing through your nose, more and more research, and I'm gonna be writing a lot more about this as, as, as the research becomes more available, the benefits of ancient nasal breathing techniques, pranayama techniques, for the brain lymphs that are only just been discovered. So, everybody's concerned about their brain. Everybody's worried about, you know, you know, the risk of Alzheimer's. We know that sugar causes that problem. It isn't a wheat thing. It isn't a grain brain thing. It's a, it's a brain drain thing that caused it. I have a, a new book coming out called Eat Wheat. It's a scientifically and clinically proven approach to safely reintroducing wheat and dairy back into your diet. And it's all about the science that you haven't heard that talks about that wheat is not the issue. It's our weak digestion that makes us lousy fat burners and inability to process these foods. Now, so, the nasal breathing when you're exercising is so important for these brain lymphs, okay? I'm gonna be writing a lot more articles about different breathing techniques for brain lymph as they come out. Uh, I've written a couple already. You can go back and check about how to clean out your sinuses and things like that. But how fascinating is it to realize that just by exercising and you keeping your mouth closed, you're getting brain lymph benefit, getting rid of bad fats, cholesterol, which is the number one risk factor for heart disease, an independent risk factor for heart disease and obesity and issues like that and blood sugar. It's just so amazing, not to mention by breathing you get the parasympathetic activation that calms you out, chills you out, de-stresses you, and helps your body burn the fat even better. So that's really neat, right? Um, I'm gonna make a quick note about the importance of really good digestion, how important that is. Uh, the whole Colorado Cleanse we're doing, starting in a couple weeks, we have our big group Colorado Cleanse that we're doing, and it's all about resetting digestion. Because if you don't digest really well, can't eat wheat and dairy and once were you able to, now you can't. And you can blame it on the fact that the wheat's processed and there are issues there and there's a way to navigate around that for sure. But 
If you don't digest well, a lot of proteins and fats go through undigested and they're too big to get into your bloodstream. And where do they go? They go into your lymph. When they go into your lymph, they congest your, your lymph around your belly. And there's good science to show that that lymph around your belly, if those big fats that aren't digested, those big proteins like gluten that aren't digested, get into your lymph, they push into your fat cells and they cause abdominal fat and fats around your body. And in addition to that, these lymphatic vessels get old and they wear and tear. And they, they, they just like your arteries, there's studies now showing that the lymph vessels can get plaque in them and can become damaged, just like our arteries. So our drains are just as important as our arteries. When you think about that, it's like, oh yeah, of course that makes sense, right? When you, when you, you know, I mean, really, um, when you, when your house has problems, you rarely have to clean out the pipes taking the water into your house, but you more frequently have to clean out the pipes taking the waste out of your house, right? So it's sort of the, we have it backwards. We're cleaning the arteries all the time, but we never really address the drains. So it's all about the drains. And the really cool thing about Ayurveda, Ayurveda has a whole system of Ayurveda, a whole aspect of Ayurveda, branch of Ayurveda called Rasayana, which is the study of longevity. And rasa is what's, what is translated as lymph in Ayurveda. So don't be mistaken, your lymphatic system is also directly linked to the, uh, to the, the tendency for us to, to, to gain weight or to put on extra pounds and, and, and put us at risk for cardiovascular concerns, okay? So that's really important. Exercise is really great for your lymphatic system as well, and breathing properly a piece of that puzzle. Really cool. Okay, so now let's move on to some some uh, some other things that are that are really important. Well, let's let's talk about some things to get rid of triglycerides and balance them first. One, no processed fats, no cooked oils. If you, if you look at a loaf of bread and that bread has cooked oils in it, not good. A cracker, anything that has, that's been baked in an oven that has cooked oils in it, I highly recommend don't eating it. You know, that's the, the, the big deal breaker, okay? Um, so that's a simple thing to do. Foods should be simple. Whole foods, not processed foods. Please, 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 you're congesting your arteries, you're congesting your lymphatic vessels, you're congesting your heart, and you're storing that extra undigestible fat in your, in, in your fat cells and it's causing weight gain issues, okay? So that's really super simple. Uh, exercise, we talked about, really important. Studies show that, that fish oils, for example, are, are really important. If you have high triglyceride levels, taking fish oils, like 4,000 milligrams of EPA and DHA a, a day, actually can lower your cholesterol by 30, your triglycerides by 30 to 40%. Uh, very, very cool. Every 1,000 milligrams of EPA or DHA, DHA uh, a marine-based, unfortunately, plant-based, um, like flax and things like that, didn't have the same effect on triglycerides as did the fish oils. And I know a lot of you are vegetarians, and there are other ways that flax and chia and, and, and plant-based omega-3s work that are not really completely understood yet. But we, but we do know, if you have triglyceride levels that are high, that taking 1,000 milligrams of your omega-3s, fish oil omega-3s, will lower your, your, triglyceride, your triglyceride level by 10 to 15%. And 4,000 a day gets about 30 to 40%. So it's a big difference. And fish oils work really well. Turmeric works really well. Uh, Amalaki works really well. These are all the things we know, and I've written a lot about that, that lower triglyceride levels uh, really, really well if they're a bit high. And of course, you've got to take the fast out of your diet. You can't overshoot the food runway, right? Because any extra calories is going to turn to triglycerides. It's your body's first way of saying, okay, I'll put this over here and I'll use it to, you know, in between meals today. 
but then they don't use it in between meals and it starts to push deeper into the fat cells. Super simple, makes perfect sense, and easy to resolve, right? So uh, really, really important. Um, the, the, you wanna make sure if you're gonna do fish oils, get good quality uh, fish oils that have no heavy metals in them, and I'm a big fan of naturally um, uh, enteric coated fish oils, which means that they don't get digested. They go right into your intestinal skin. They support health of your intestinal skin and right into your, your lymph as well as your blood. And they deliver those good fats to your brain and to your heart and to your arteries and to good places. So that's, a, that's really important. I, did a, I wrote an ebook <coughs> a while back called the, the Weight Balancing Ebook. And it was based on, uh, and it's free. And it's a whole ebook. It's really beautiful. And if you're looking to balance your weight, then read this ebook. It was based on a study I did when my, my book, The Three Season Diet, came out. And it was all about, um, we had like 18 people, and we had them eat uh, three meals a day, no snacks. And uh, we gave them a questionnaire asking them, you know, how they felt each week. And, and at the end of a, uh, the t we, we gave them a before and after questionnaire. And what was interesting was that when I asked them to eat, breakfast, lunch, supper, no snacks, they had a hard time with that the first week. They were so addicted to having a little nibble here and a little nibble here and a little here because we have food like 24-7 now. We're not used to not eating. And we have good science to suggest that we thrive when we don't eat. The cells live longer, mitochondria make more energy. We're genetically wired to not eat that much, but we now have food all the time. And a lot of times, a lot of times the food is sugary-based or sugar-laced and it doesn't deliver fat, long-lasting energy sugar quick emergency energy and we have feel good for a minute and then we're crashing we want another snack and we've created a culture where we become really good at sugar burners sort of diabetically and really lousy fat burners which means energy doesn't last long which means we can't be calm we can't handle stress we can't chill we get depressed and we store extra fat and gain weight those are our two issues right we have a lot of mood instability issues in our culture and we have a lot of weight related issues more than 35% of the population is obese now. This is not even funny, but it can be so quickly brought back to balance if we just all follow some of these super simple rules. And, and in that weight balancing uh, ebook, I talk about exactly what we had our study group go through. And, he, and, and I'll, I'll give you the highlights of that and you can go read it for more of the details. Step one, three meals a day, no snack. If you can't do that and your blood sugar is so wacky, you gotta eat four meals a day to get through it, do that then have four meals a day, and then work down to three meals a day, okay? That's, that's gonna be step one. Make lunch a bigger meal, relax, enjoy your meals, don't race through them, make them count. You're only gonna eat three times a day, so make them count, okay? Then, if you can do that, and once you accomplish that, go to step two. Step two is to have uh, a smaller supper, okay? You're still having a good breakfast, a nice, bigger, relaxing lunch, and then uh, in the, uh, in the evening, a very small supper, a soup or a salad, okay? And if you can get to that and do it pretty well, then you do step three, which is to um, have a earlier supper, have breakfast, a nice big relaxing lunch, and a supper that's done by six o'clock. And after that, the kitchen is closed, no more food. The idea being that we fast from six o'clock at night all the way till breakfast at seven in the morning, and we burn fat for 13 hours of our day. And during that time, we're gonna force the issue of becoming a better fat burner, okay? And, and, and it's beautiful, and it's simple, and it's how we're wired. Studies show that human beings are designed to burn fat exclusively through the night, and human beings today in the modern age don't, in many cases, ever even get into fat metabolism 
because we're constantly nibbling or wanting sugar, sugar, sugar. If you eat meal, snack, meal, snack, meal, snack all day long, and all of a sudden the body says, okay, now we're gonna go to bed and we're gonna sleep for eight hours. And I go, wait, I have a feeding schedule that's every two hours. I get fed every two hours. How, am I, how in the world am I supposed to you know, uh, sleep through the night without getting food? So a lot of us don't sleep through the night. We wake up, we're hungry, we get up here, there. We don't have deep sleep anymore because we're not able to burn fat. And that is a problem because the brain lymph drains when you sleep. And if you're not sleeping well, it's not gonna drain the brain good. And this is an issue, problem. They all, everything in Ayurveda and with this, our whole stick in, in at Life Spa is to connect the ancient wisdom with the modern science. And it's so fascinating what we're beginning to learn and, and share. And so, so the idea is that, that three meals a day and we're gonna make supper and we now have a good science too that says that the, the cooks go home at six o'clock. We don't digest well at night. That if you eat even just two meals a day, breakfast and lunch, as much as you like, versus eating six meals all day long and a big supper, that you lose significant weight when you eat in the beginning of the day versus the end of the day or all throughout the day. So it's really cool the science is bearing that out. Something Ayurveda knew for thousands of years. I had a guy, a few years back, he was 524 pounds when he first came to me. And he asked me what I could do to help him. And I said, I want you to have um, a small breakfast, like an apple for breakfast or something. But at lunchtime, we have a big lunch, big as you can eat. And then if you're hungry at supper time, you didn't eat a big enough lunch, I told him. He thought I was crazy. He went home that night. Three days later, he said, John, this is really crazy. You know, I'm eating a huge, I go to this Italian restaurant, I eat three or four entrees at this restaurant. A lot of food, but I'm not hungry at dinner anymore. I used to just watch movies and eat popcorn all night long, and I, I don't want that. I'm done. Just drink some water, and I'm great. He lost 63 pounds in three months, uh, and all he did was stop eating dinner. I can tell you story after story after story about how people do it. And not only did our study group lose 1.2 pounds during the six-week study, two-month study, we asked them a couple of questionnaires before and after, and what the results were is that they're anxiety got better, their cravings reduced, their sleep was deeper and longer, their uh, exhaustion, fatigue after work was better, their, 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 um, their mood was more stable, and their overall energy was greater. So when you become a good fat burner, you feel better. And this is what we do in the Colorado Cleanse and our short home cleanses. We give you this ghee in the morning which forces you to burn fat, because you eat a no-fat diet during the cleanse. You can eat whatever you want, but it's gotta be no fat. And that's not that hard to do. Um, but if you have the ghee in the morning, which is a whole thing we can talk about uh, in a little bit, but that forces you to burn fat. And now all of a sudden you're in fat burning. People within two or three days, all of a sudden their blood sugar is getting more stable. They're feeling like they're burning fat. Their appetite disappears. And we start to eat the fuel, the amount of fuel that we need versus the amount of fuel that we crave because we've lost the ability to burn fat and we're eating and craving nothing but sugar, which is way overshooting the calorie runway, storing all that extra calorie as triglycerides because the body thinks, I'll have it ready for you for energy, but it never gets used and it just gets stored and stored and stored and creates real serious problems. Um, so um, so um, that's the, the major thing is to go, oh, I didn't finish. Um, so step three, sorry, step three was to make supper earlier. And then the final step of this whole process was to skip supper for 
three to seven nights per week. See how you do. If you wake up in the morning, have a light breakfast or whatever you need to get yourself to lunch, have a nice big lunch in the, in the, in the middle of the day or the early afternoon, and then by supper, you're feeling like, God, I'm still feeling like lunch is still full. Maybe you have lunch at a little later, like one or two o'clock in the afternoon. And you're like, and I'm so full, I don't really want supper. So you drink some water and go to bed. And now you're fasting from two o'clock in the afternoon all the way to breakfast, forcing again the fat burning issue. The only way you're going to make it is, if you burn, is, if you, is to make that energy is when you burn fat for that long haul. And that's exactly how we're wired. We are wired as feast or famine. Yes, eat a ton when we have it and then like at lunch, and then nothing. Because that's how we survived as human beings. That's why we're here. Because we have the ability to make energy last. And most of us, as our culture, it's the first time ever in our history, we have so much food available so all, all the time, we've lost the ability to be good fat burners. So, um, and then after you do that for three or four weeks and you reset some fat burning, you've lost 10, 15 pounds, which happens regularly, then you just go right back to step one, which is three meals a day, no snacks. And you do that for a while, and you're like, God, I'm feeling really good, this is great. And then you want to say, I'm really feeling like I want to lose another 10 pounds. Okay, great. Then you go right back through the process again, and then you start you know, skipping supper the best you can. And uh, you know, it's only three to seven nights per week. If one day lunch didn't work out, and you didn't really get a good lunch, and you come home and you're still hungry, then go back to step two or, you know, or, or, or step one, which is a lighter supper and a bigger lunch. And you make it work that way. So really simple, simple techniques. You know, break the habit of needing to eat all the time. Break the habit of needing sugar and craving sugar all the time because it's toxifying our brains. Uh, force the body to be a better fat burner by nasal breathing exercise, by making energy last from longer trips, from four meals a day to three meals a day, to a lighter supper, to an earlier supper, to no supper. And it's that simple. And all that's written in my free ebook. Not everything I'm not everything I'm talking about today is there, but the but the weight balancing plan is there, and our study that we did is there as well. So pretty fascinating stuff. Um, I'm gonna um, see if I can answer some questions about this. If we have, if anybody has any uh, any questions, uh, one of the questions is, what can I do to to um, rid myself of menopausal weight? Uh, it's very, very stubborn. And, um, and also at the same time, I want you to invite you all to uh, ask some questions by pressing star two. You can call in on the phone and, and do that and we can talk to you. Um, the uh, answer to that question, what can I do to rid myself of menopausal weight? Um, <clears throat> menopausal weight is, is very interesting. There's three basic reproductive hormones. There's estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. When you're under a lot of stress, <clears throat> the body um, uses the progesterone and the testosterone, and it converts that into cortisol to help you fight stress. <clears throat> and of course, the more stressed out you are, the more the body thinks, this is crazy, there's a war on, store fat. So in our lifestyle, where we don't take time to relax and chill and enjoy our life, you know, connect with nature, uh, be in nature, hike in nature, kind of retrain our brain with the rhythms of nature. My whole thing about eating seasonal food and we put out our free monthly grocery list for free to get people reconnected to doing that. Um, these are all techniques to get us to entrain with the silent rhythms of nature. And they're important. Meditation, we have a whole meditation course and some free meditation as you can you just 
to help the, train the brain to become more still and de-stress and not constantly be hitting the alarm bells. Our nasal breathing exercise has been shown to trigger, trigger alpha brain in, uh, production as opposed to stressed out beta brain production during vigorous exercise, suggesting that if you breathe through your nose, you can handle exercise stress or life stress from a calm place. So the brain waves, instead of being frenetic and scattered and frantic and store fat and crave sugar, this is an emergency, I gotta run, run, run. The brain's like, hey, I'm chilling. Life's not an emergency. I can burn my non-emergency fuel, my fat. Meditation does the exact same thing. You're dipping the cloth, your brain, in the dye of silence, training it that the eye of the hurricane is the source of your power and your productivity and your ability to be incredible, right? Uh, this is not about being a meditator or doing yoga and breathing is like limiting your productivity. This is about unleashing your unlimited potential from my perspective. You know, I, when I wrote my first book, Body, Mind, Sport, I had Martina Navratilova, Billie Jean King did the forward. Uh, I had, you know, worked with the New Jersey Nets. I was the director of player development for them for, for two years. I worked with high-level elite athletes to take their, their performance to the highest level. This is not about becoming less functional in the world. It's becoming really maximally functional in the world. And, and that comes by burning the right fuel. And it, it, there's a lot of reports out now about eating more fat, eating more fat, eating more fat. And I gotta tell you, it's not always that simple because we have an inability to burn fat. We've screwed it up. Our bile is thick and viscous and congested. Our gallbladders are being taken out regularly in, 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 in crazy numbers. The bile can't contract the way it once did. The liver isn't making the fats, the bile, the way it once did. It's congested and people become lousy fat burners because of a diet that took out the good saturated fats that forced the gallbladder to contract and to exercise that gallbladder in the liver. And if you don't exercise, there's studies that I've written in my, in my books and my articles that show that if you don't eat fatty food, a fatty diet, it's the number one cause of, of gallbladder disease is a low fat diet. So, so here we have a situation where uh, you can't just put fats back into your diet because most people will have real problems because of that. We've got to break the sugar habit first, reboot digestion second, and then gently reintroduce the good fats back, like good fish oils, maybe a little tiny bit of coconut, like a teaspoon of coconut oil per day, good quality olive oil that I've written about. You can't get the junk, it just clogs you up. Very important to get the highest quality food if you can afford it, the very best that you can. Um, so, back to my question about menopause. If we are under stress, then that's gonna definitely tell the body to store fat. And what happens when the progesterone and testosterone, progesterone and testosterone go to the adrenals to help the body make more stress hormone, which makes you fatter, by the way, it leaves the body with low testosterone and low progesterone, but the estrogens remain the same. So from the body's perspective, the body perceives that as a unopposed high estrogen. So you have the testosterone and progesterone being usurped to make stress-fighting fuel, which makes you gain weight, and you're left with high estrogen because the balance has to be there. And if the balance between the three isn't there, and you have one that's high, which is the estrogen has been untouched, not to mention all the estrogens in our foods and our diet and all these growth hormones and things that make people grow, that's what estrogen does. You leave it unopposed, higher than the triglyceride level, than the testosterone levels, and the progesterone level, the body will perceive that as high estrogen and 
gain weight because that's what estrogen does. It builds you up. That's why they inject cows with estrogen because it makes them grow bigger. So that's how you break the pattern. You break that pattern by, yeah, you can bring some uh, progesterone uh, back into that, and that's sort of the magic bullet in terms of uh, HRT now is to just give progesterone. But I think more importantly is to like ask the question, why did I get this problem in the first place? You know, where did where did uh, where did uh, this progesterone come from in the first place? And and fixing that problem the very best we can. Um, okay, a couple of other questions. Um, okay, so uh, hi. Um, in the summer, I backpack a lot and require extra food all, all day on the hike. Do you have suggestions for the three meal a day concept? Uh, I do not think I could eat a big lunch and a minimal dinner and have not enough energy. Thank you very much. Great question. And here's the point. We are going to retrain you to become a better fat burner so you can make energy last. You start from four meals a day, go to three meals a day, make supper lighter, make lunch bigger, relax. Really, really, really important to sit down and dine and take time to eat that extra food because that activates calming and relaxing, activates parasympathetic dominance, and that is the rest and digest nervous system. So sort of all those pieces of the puzzle can actually be, um, can, can actually make it happen. But I've had so many patients who tell me they can't eat, you know, two meals a day or, or just even three meals a day. And once we make them into fat burners, they can. And, and that's the whole point of this weight balancing plan. You don't go from step one to step two or step two to step three or step three to step four unless each step is absolutely effortless along the way. How does ghee force fat burning? Can we substitute butter? What's the difference? Ghee is clarified butter. You take butter and you put it in a pot, boil it up, all the milk solids boil off and you're left with the oil. oil. The oil of ghee or butter is primarily what's called butyric acid, a fatty acid that is very, very important for our body. Uh, uh, ghee has the highest source of butyric acid on the, on the planet. In your intestinal tract, you have microbes, one called Clostridium butyricum, which makes butyric acid or ghee for a living in your intestinal tract. And it's the number one the butyric acid driver of intestinal energy, cellular energy, colon cellular energy, fat burning, supports the health of the microbes and your immunity, and that's the very, very short list of what butyric acid does inside of you. Ghee is a powerful medicine to heal and repair the skin of your intestinal tract, and that's exactly what it does. Feeds your good microbes, supports the immunity, where 80% of your immunity is on the junction between the villi and the lymph on the outside. That's where it all happens, and that's what ghee does. And when you have a bunch of ghee in the morning, and that's all you eat, you're gonna burn that fat, that ghee, as energy. It's gonna go right into energy and you're gonna to start to burn fat. Now, if you have no fat in your diet that day, this is like during the Colorado cleanse, you're gonna force your body to get energy somewhere else because there's no sugar there. So you're just gonna force the body to get fat to burn. And, and uh, that's exactly what happens. And we have science to prove that not only does it burn, the good fats make you better, you know, supports stable energy and no hunger and all that. But it's been shown to pull fat-soluble toxins, heavy metals, you know, pesticides, preservatives out of your fat cells because it forces the body to burn fat. There's good science, and I've written a lot about that in some of the articles I've written about how ghee works as a detoxifier. Now, I haven't seen the studies on, say, using flaxseed oil or, or even butter for that matter, but ghee was studied and well-documented to do that. And ghee is the higher source, highest source of butyric acid, and we know all kinds of things about why butyric acid is so good for your intestinal tract. So it's pretty cool stuff, actually. And that's why I love, you know, this ancient wisdom, modern science thing, because we're, 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 we're understanding 
how they understood that ghee was so important, how they knew to boil it down and cook it and make it this purified version of butter and how nutritionally important it is for our intestinal tract and, and detoxifying for us is, uh, is also pretty cool. Um, um, let's see, else. what else do we have here? Um, um, okay, um, the other question is, um, whoa, sorry. Um, I had my gallbladder removed, total hysterectomy, tonsils removed. Is my weight gain possibly due to a hormonal imbalance? Um, you know, the gallbladder could be a factor there. You know, sometimes taking the gallbladder out, I've just got a new article coming out about the gallbladder. When you get your gallbladder removed, it's coming out very soon, so that's something you might really be interested in. I, did, I looked into all the science about what happens when you get your gallbladder removed and, and, and some of the re residual issues in that regard. So that means you're not maybe gonna be as great a fat burner as a result of that. That could cause the weight gain. Definitely having a hormonal imbalance could actually do that as well. So that has to be, be looked at for sure, for sure. Now, I missed the first part of the web, uh, webinar. Uh, how much quality fat should I be eating? Ketogenic diet seems to be a huge amount. Um, plus, uh, it wants me to eat uh, medium-chain fatty acids, which are not a whole food. I don't think we should break things down too much. In, you know, the more we process them into super high concentrated versions of what nature did, I think it becomes problematic. Short-term, okay. Long-term, not so good. Um, uh, a teaspoon of coconut oil, good refined coconut oil that's been pressed into, the, into an oil right after harvest versus sitting for days in a hot boat somewhere, not a good idea. Um, I think that's all you really need to get some of the benefits. You don't need a ton. Like I said, becoming a better fat burner, becoming a better digester, which is why I created the Colorado Cleanse. The Colorado Cleanse was all about, um, the Colorado Cleanse was all about resetting digestive strength. I'm gonna sort of weave into some of these Colorado Cleanse questions as well. People who go into a detox, and the body, when the liver becomes congested and the body breaks down, the body just puts all the fats into the fat cells, like we talked about, like the triglycerides. Well, not only do the triglycerides go there, but so do the environmental pollutants, pesticides, preservatives, heavy metals, environmental pollutants, toxins, chemicals, all go into your fat because they're fat soluble. And that can create a lot of toxicity issues. And the body puts that stuff there oftentimes because it wasn't able to digest it or break it down. Good bile flow is what emulsifies those fats. Really good strong stomach acid in your stomach, which breaks down gluten and dairy, also forces the more acid you produce in your stomach, the more bile you produce to emulsify the fats and get rid of them. Mercury can be broken down, but arsenic in your soil, things like that can be broken down if you have really good digestion. So if you go into a detox and you just go pull a bunch of fat out of your fat cells and detox the body and the body goes, wait a minute, who did all that? I just put all that toxic stuff away, stuffed it in all these places, and now somebody's flushed it all out into the bloodstream, only to be moved from one fat cell to another fat cell, to your arteries, to your brain, create more problems. This is not gentle and kind to your body. Gentle and kind is rebooting digestive strength, making you a better fat burner. Then gently, as we heal the intestinal skin, which is your barrier for these bad fats and bad proteins to penetrate, heal that, gently pull and force the body to burn the fat itself versus forcing it to actually go into a major cleanse and detox. And that's what the Colorado Cleanse is all about. And that's why it's, I believe, so special and so important because it's constantly 
you know, rebooting fat, fat burning, better digestion, and then gently forcing you to be a better fat burner, and therefore a natural detoxifier. And also what's really cool is what's in that fat, which we're finding out more and more of, are old pent up emotional patterns of behavior. Like a lot of us really think about it, we realize that it's our crazy mind that, that causes most of our problems. It's the stress and our worries and stress out, old patterns of behavior that plow through our gut, take out our good bugs, take out our intestinal skin, and that damages the ability to, be a, to have the intestinal skin be a barrier for toxins. And then all those toxins default back to your liver, your liver gets congested, your bile becomes thick. And with no bile, you have no buffers for the good acid, so the body won't make the acid in your stomach, and therefore my acid stomach, which is my big first barrier for protecting me from yucky, toxic stuff, isn't there for you anymore. And now you can't eat wheat, you can't eat dairy. You can't eat hard to digest things like corn and soy or nuts or seeds. It just goes down, and then you start just taking stuff out of your diet. But you can't take the toxins from the environment out of your diet. There's mercury on, the, on all your organic vegetables from the coal mine clouds that cover America. We can't avoid the toxicity. We have to become better digesters. It isn't about not eating wheat or not eating dairy, and not about that. It's about making sure that you are a great digester because that is your ability to detoxify. Yes, eat the food that you like, the, 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 the most wholesome food you can find. But if you have a lot of foods you can't eat, yeah, don't eat them, but let's not stop there. Let's fix the reason why. Let's reboot digestion. Let's make that happen for you. And it's so, so important. Um, uh, what else can we do if we had our gallbladder taken out? Again, I get so many questions about this, and it's an epidemic of people getting their gallbladders out. And, and the good news is, it doesn't matter. We can, we, can, we, can, we can work around the lack of the gallbladder. I promise you we can. And I have this article coming in, and I'm going to kind of defer a lot of that discussion. But so much of it is about is like doing the collateral cleanse and forcing bile flow and forcing your liver to be cleaner so it can make bile on demand better. These are the things that have to happen. Very, very important. Okay? Uh, uh, really, really important. A couple of um, Colorado cleanse questions. Uh, can we juice the... Uh, the beet tonic and green drink ingredients and, uh, and drink them raw. Uh, absolutely. In the Colorado Cleanse, how the Colorado Cleanse works is we have a, just a 14-day digestive reset and, and detox. And the first four days, we're eating whole foods, no wheat, no dairy, no allergenic foods, just whole non-processed foods. And you take digestive reset herbs before and after every meal. And you also take uh, one beet per day. Uh, uh, a green drink that we make special um, to help increase alkalinity and lymph flow and detoxification and an apple a day. And um, the beets are phenomenal. They actually vasodilate the bile ducts and the, and, the, um, and the biliary tubes in your liver to open up and increase more bile flow. So they really help the bile flow better and more, and more efficiently. Um, they are great lymphatic movers as well. And they oxygenate the body. They give the body energy and vitality. And, they, and even though you think that beets are really sugary, they actually have been shown in many studies to lower blood sugar. So it's just like, ah, I love it. It, it tastes sweet, and it also is good for the blood sugar. So uh, really, really cool. And it can be raw or cooked either way. Um, so that works fine. Uh, the green tonic can also, um, you know... Um, some of the things in the green tonic, like the, like the string beans, they probably need to be broken down and steamed a little bit. Uh, otherwise, they could be a little bit too fibrous and a little bit too hard on your digestion. Remember that the, 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 one of the most important points of the Colorado cleanse and the, uh, and, and the whole concept of Ayurveda from a, a, a health perspective is kind and gentle. 
And the intestinal skin, if you take it and flatten it all out, it's as big as a tennis court. And as we get stressed out, we now know all the stress plows through our gut and our intestinal tract gets inflamed and irritated. And when it gets inflamed and irritated, it breaks down our, our digestion, the intestinal villi separate, weird stuff gets through into our lymph, congests our lymph, our brain, our skin, bad things happen, right? I've talked a ton about that. So the importance of your intestinal skin is so critical for your health and your longevity and your digestion, so it's really, really important. So um, when you eat a lot of raw food, unless you have really good digestive fire to break down that fiber and that cellulose and all that, which a lot of times it acts as an irritant to the intestinal skin, it can be too rough on the intestinal tract. That's why we use kitchery, which is like, they, they, somebody took the time to take the, the rice and, and de-husk it by hand, and they took the mung bean, they cut it and split it, and the husk fell off, and then they would cook it with herbs and spices for hours and make this super soup, this sort of this convalescent soup that we'd give to babies and to elderly people to heal and repair them. And they did it by healing and repair their intestinal skin with ghee, with kitchery, with really kind, gentle foods. So when you're doing raw, 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 raw foods, not that raw food is bad, it's just that it's not so good now when we're trying to heal your intestinal skin. And, and, and the microbes lying that intestinal skin. And if it's constantly being cleansed with roughage, 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 it can irritate and inflame and, and create problems in our ability to restore the intestinal skin and the, and the good, healthy microbiome. It's sort of very delicate and very gentle. And overdoing raw can create some intestinal irritations. You've got to be careful. And that's one of the things we see in practice that you know, as soon as somebody gets any kind of intestinal inflammation, the first thing they've got to get rid of is raw food. So, so bringing, and I've got another article that I'm writing in the process of doing all the research on the difference between raw and cooked food. So, so uh, and, and, the, and some of the research shows, you know, what foods are better raw, what foods are better, better cooked. So it's a lot of research that I'm in the process of doing. So I promise you that's an, a work in progress that I'm super excited about as well. So stay tuned for that. Um, but so, you know, the beets can be done raw, the green drink, steam it up, blend it up, make it into a soup. You can drink it hot or cold and that works fine. Apples are okay raw, but they're even better cooked too because they're super kind and gentle for your intestinal tract. If you have delicate issues, as we go into this cleanse, you do everything a little bit on the cook side. Would it be beneficial to uh, consume ghee in the morning after completing the Colorado cleanse? If yes, what's the recommended dose? Um, I don't think that, um, I don't think that um, it's uh, the greatest idea that it's the greatest idea in the world for us to um, take ghee, like as if you're doing oleation, you know, for the rest of your life. You eat ghee every morning, that kind of a thing. Um, a teaspoon, not a big deal. You can put a teaspoon of ghee in your coffee or in your tea or even coconut oil in your coffee or tea, blend it up and drink it. It's perfectly fine. Um, however, when we, Ayurvedically, when you do oleation, which is taking ghee a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, challenging the gallbladder to contract and contract and become a better fat burner and detoxify you and heal the intestinal skin with more of that ghee if you put it into your intestinal tract, that process uh, is said to take seven days, and that's the maximum. And it's said not to do it for longer than that. Now, so after you do the seven days, I would take a break for a while. If you want to reintroduce some dietary ghee or cook with it again, or a teaspoon in the morning, I think that's fine. But I give your body a break from the fats because you just took a lot during the ghee cleanse, and then move on, move on from there. 
Um, uh, what if some of the ingredients in cholesterol cleanser are found to create cellular reactivity for the person? These foods were identified on the ALCAT test. Um, here is the issue. The ALCAT test is an allergy test. Here is my concern about allergy testing, and, I, and there are some pretty good, like the skin prick test has been deemed to be 53% inaccurate and 93% uh, in, in one study of kids who are reactive on a, on, a, on a test to certain foods actually had no reaction when they actually ate those foods, any measurable reaction. So uh, I've written some interesting things about some of the testing that's been done. What I find problematic with a lot of these tests is patients will come into me with one test and then six months later have the same test back and have a whole brand new list of foods that they're allergic to and can't eat. So a lot of the reactivity is based, you know, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a snapshot of what they're reactive to at that particular time, and the intestinal tract may be reactive to one kind of food today and another kind of food tomorrow based on the irritation and the inflammation and the and the self repair that's constantly going on, and so I'm sort of a little bit reluctant to have people avoid foods based on those tests. I'd rather, and this is the new science, have people avoid foods based on how they feel when they eat those tests. I have so many patients, I say, you know, how do you, how, how do you feel when you eat wheat or dairy or corn or rice or soy or all these allergies, and they all go, oh, I, I don't eat those. But, they, but because they were told not to by, a, by an allergy test. I'm going, well, let's, let's, before we take so many foods out of our diet and start living in this bubble, let's make sure that number one, you digest well, you can digest fats well, you can digest hard to digest proteins well, you can detoxify well, let's heal and repair the intestinal skin, get the lymphatic system draining better, and all of a sudden, this reactivity issue sort of disappears. I can't tell you how many patients I've had who had allergies, severe allergies to a lot of foods, now don't have these food intolerances anymore because we repaired the problem. And so as opposed to taking the food out of the diet. Now, taking the food out of the diet, whether you be celiac or have, have an issue, for sure, if you're having issues with it, take it out. But that's not, in my mind, the final solution. To say, okay, you have this whole list of foods, you eat them, you feel bad, let's take them out, now you don't eat them for the rest of your life. Ah, then you get another test six months later, and there's another 10 foods they add to that list. And then another 10 foods they add to that list. And it starts to get pretty scarce and slim pickings of what you can actually eat. I'm like, yeah, let's take them out, but let's, let's also run a fine-tooth comb through your digestive process and do some repair and support the, these functions of the body and see if we can get you back on, back on digestive lines so you can digest again. That's sort of how I look at it, and I find it to be great. It's just empowering for people. We're not like, okay, I can't do it. There's no way I can. Maybe, but let's not just throw the towel in and then let's give it a go, you know? Let's go down with a fight and see if we can get this digestion back online because it's your ability to detoxify. And that, we don't have that much control over. Even if the organic foods have mercury on them, we, we, we can eat the best quality food, and for sure we should, but we can't avoid all the toxins in the environment, the stuff we breathe. And you know, One study that showed that in America, there's 400 billion pounds of toxic chemicals being dumped in the environment every year in America. 72 million of them are, are cancer-causing. So it, it becomes really difficult to do that. How important is this after drinking coffee? Um, just one cup a day with half and half. What can I replace it with uh, getting off of coffee? Okay, during the cholesterol cleanse, we do ask you to go off um, stimulants of any kind, coffee, you know, sugary foods, things like that. 
it's, it's, a, it's a low fat time of the year, so or, or time during the cleanse as well. So we're not eating any of that during the cleanse. Um, and when you become a better fat burner, that's how you stabilize it. See, sugar and coffee stimulate us to go up and down, up and down, up and down. How do you get rid of coffee? Become a better fat burner. Um, and make sure that you can make energy last from breakfast to lunch, from lunch to supper, from supper to bed. Make sure you have the ability to make, make long trips really, really well. Start by having maybe one cup of coffee with your main meal in the middle of the day as part of a digestive support. After the meal, a little cup of coffee, have it, do it that way. Versus on an empty stomach, you know, to get you energy in the morning, which gives you energy and then crashes you. And next thing you know, you're on the up and down roller coaster all day long. And of course, the brain knows when I'm down over here at four o'clock in the afternoon, pulls down the menu and says, I know how to get out of this hole. I'm in uh, another cup of coffee. And then you're off and running again, right? So how to break that is by getting the body to burn fat by having a meal, nothing meal, nothing, meal, nothing. Force the body into fat burning, have a little coffee with your meal so it's digested as part of the meal, and then you can uh, you know, break the habit completely from there. Lots and lots of water, coffee is dehydrating, so drink, you know, if you're gonna make a cup of coffee, I would drink at least two large glasses of water, one before and one after that coffee, to help make sure it doesn't sort of astringently aggravate, irritate your intestinal skin. Uh, very, very important, great question. I shouldn't tell you this, but uh, in the, uh, the new 2015 to 2020 dietary guidelines that just came out where they put cholesterol back on the list, I'm not going to tell you. But, okay, I will. Coffee is on that list. Three to four, I think it was four cups of coffee per day uh, is actually considered to be beneficial according to the new recommendations. You've got to be careful with that recommendation, however. A lot of people stimulate the caffeine way too fast and it becomes way overwhelming for them. It stimulates them to make energy they don't really have and they go into adrenal fatigue and depletion. So you have to be very careful with that recommendation. Um, but uh, you know, I wrote an article called The Good and the Bad and the Ugly of Coffee. You can read the, uh, the research on both sides of that aisle. Uh, if you want to learn more about that, I've got a pretty cool article about that. So check that out as well. Uh, but you know, never a dull moment when it comes to uh, the research. Um, ghee diet, uh, why only seven days? Can we do more? Again, like I said, according to the Ayurvedic rules, it takes only seven days to really fully oleate the body and give that gallbladder a, a go. And, and, and I think the reason is, according to the science, is that if you flush bile, flush bile, flush bile, flush bile, it takes a couple of days for the body to rebuild the bile. It does. So you don't detox the body into, into exhaustion. The Ayurveda is kind and gentle. A little bit each day, a little more, a little more, a little more. One final flush and you're done. And then if you want to add a little fats and exercise the body in other ways after that, that's fine and different, but not as part of a cleanse and not, not oleating for the rest of your life. Oleating means kind of taking enough, a little more fat than normal where it oleates the tissues to create suppleness and softness, which was the Ayurvedic kind of understanding of why we take the ghee in addition to making you into a fat burner, in addition to contracting and exercising your gallbladder and chelating, pulling toxic chemical fats out of your tissues, which is been scientifically proven to do. So uh, pretty, pretty cool stuff. Um, what else can we do uh, to help our body if we um, don't have a gallbladder? Um, a couple of things about the gallbladder and more questions about that, um, which is more fresh vegetables, more beets, more celery, more artichokes, more greens, more apples, more uh, good whole cranberries, all of which 
apples and cranberries have malic acid, they vasodilate the bile ducts and increase bile flow. Uh, these are all things that are really good. You know, considering taking herbs in your diet, like turmeric, we have an herb called Beet Cleanse and Gentle Digest that are herbs that I take every day to help support better digestion. Because at the end of the day, you know, it's all about your upper digestion strength and your intestinal skin, the barrier, and the lymphatic drainage on the other side of that wall. You keep those guys healthy, you're gonna be uh, in great shape. I'm gonna run to the phones here real quick and see if anybody's uh, asked any questions. Um, uh, uh, star, if anybody has any questions, just push star two. Um, and um, while I wait for that to populate, that page to populate, then go back to the questions and um, and we're just about out of time here, so I'm going to uh, answer just a couple more questions. How, many, how much fiber do you recommend in a day to support your microbiome? And what's the difference between soluble and insoluble fiber? It's a great question. Um, I wrote an article about interesting between soluble and insoluble fiber. Soluble fiber is when the, the fiber breaks down in water and is soluble, like oatmeal is gooey, right? And insoluble fiber is roughage. And it's interesting, like in the wintertime, you get oats and grains, which are loaded with soluble fiber, and they nourish and soothe and heal and, and goo up the intestinal tract and protect it from the cold and the dry. And, and that's what winter is, dry, right? So nature gives you the soluble fiber dose to lubricate and slime it up. In the springtime, we want to get rid of the mucus because it's allergy season, the earth's holding on to more water, it's, it's a boggier, rainier, wetter, wetter time of year where you hold on to more water. Nature gives us leafy greens and sprouts and root vegetables, which are very uh, astringent, bitter. They're insoluble fibers, and they cleanse and they clean all the villi out of the intestinal tract. So it changes from season to season. So what we're here is we, that's why we're here, because we, we get this connection, right? And, um, and um, so the hunter-gatherers had about 50, 100 sorry, grams of fiber per day. It's a lot. The average American, 15, maybe 20 if they're super healthy. So minimum five times more fiber they got than we get. Fiber attaches to the bile that has all the toxins and bile is like a toxic Pac-Man gobbling up toxins and the fiber hooks onto it with all the toxins takes it to the toilet, gets it out. Not enough fiber in your diet, that bile, 94% of it, goes back to your liver, dumps the toxins back into your blood and then we got some severe problems in your arteries and things like that. So 100 grams of fiber would be a sort of a goal, it's a lot, uh, the only way we're going to ever make that happen is with beans. You know, uh, the, the one easy and most digestible bean on the planet, the only bean that Ayurveda says reduces gas, and there's science now to back that up. Another really cool thing, how they knew that that was the only bean that reduced gas was split yellow mung beans, the bean in our kitchery. And you can buy it, uh, you know, you can buy it organic straight and then cook it any way you want, or you can buy it with rice and make kitchery out of it. Um, all the other beans are, are on the coffee reducing list uh, because they get rid of mucus because they're astringent, but they make, they're a little bit more difficult to digest. So beans require long, slow cooking, uh, parboiling, soaking, rinsing uh, to make them more easily to digest. But they are super loaded with fiber, and that's the best way to make that happen. Um, so I always say shoot for 50. Uh, that's the best way to do it. And... Uh, uh, and if you look at the, 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 the centenarian cultures, and I, and I know we're gonna go over just a little bit here, so anybody who has to run or go home, we can, the calls 
you can sort of officially end it now. If you want to stay on and answer some questions, I'm going to do that for a few more minutes. Okay, so thank you all for, for listening. And, I'll, um, and uh, uh, while I do that, so some of you have to go, I will give you the, uh, the, 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 um, the uh, what's it called? The code, the, the coupon code thing for the 15% uh, the discount for the Colorado Cleanse, which registration ends tomorrow night at midnight. And that's CC Podcast 16. That's Colorado Cleanse, abbreviated CC Podcast 16. Uh, you type that in and you get your cleanse kit, whether it be the Anytime Cleanse Kit or our, uh, or our, or our um, uh, full group support cleanse kit. You get that for fifteen percent off, like forty-five dollars savings or something like that. And then the and the and the, and the, um, the support comes with uh, conference calls, free uh, on, uh, live question and answer sessions with me, online forums, uh, emails every morning to tell you exactly what to do every morning. Wake up, here's what you do to, today to get the, through the cleanse. So it's a really cool support, uh, a, a lot of fun. Uh, a couple more questions, and then we'll go from there. Um, I feel lack of energy after a big meal. What could be responsible for this? This is really a great question. Um, one is, after a big meal, if you're not delivering the nutrition, you're going to crash. Studies that I dug up uh, recently show that fats, when they're digested, they actually enter into the lymphatic system to be delivered as energy. But if that lymphatic system is congested and those fats through the lymph channels aren't being delivered, and they're bogged up with gluten and, and big old fats that can't be moved through very well, the fats can't get there, the energy can't go, so you have this big after-meal lull. Pretty cool. I was fascinated by it. to see that science, but, but that's sort of what it is. So again, it's back to intestinal skin, upper digestion, so those, those foods don't get, get broken down efficiently, so they end up, if they're broken down partially, they're too big to get out of the blood, they clog the lymph, and they cause, they cause problems. So that's the answer to that question. We, you know, and that's what the Colorado Cleanse is all about, is rebooting that. Uh, I signed up for my first Colorado Cleanse this month. I was surprised when your, um, your order asked about Candida. I have issues with this, yet none of my doctors believe this. Can you talk more about Candida? You know, one thing, yes, for sure. And our next podcast uh, next month on May 11th is going to be about Candida, by the way, and bacteria and yeast and all kinds of weird bugs that get in our intestinal tract and what we can do about that. Um, Candida is an opportunistic uh, fungus that is always there naturally but gets out of, out of hand and becomes more problematic. And how do you fix it? Well, you support upper digestion, you support the intestinal skin, and sometimes what I'll suggest to do is take a, a probiotic that we, use, we, we have called Gut Revival, which has these colonizing probiotics that stick to the intestinal wall and, and create an environment where we have more permanent residence as opposed to probiotics that you take and they work but if you stop taking them, they don't work. The idea is to create a permanent new stable of good bugs, and that's what the colonizing strains of probiotics do, is they create permanent resonance, and that also is, gut revival has this Saccharomyces yeast that actually knocks out the bad bugs, and Candida in particular, science shows that it does that. So you take the, the populi, the colonizing microbes with the, 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 uh, the um, Saccharomyces, put that together, it's called gut revival, you take that one packet twice a day during the cleanse or before and even after, and that, goes in there while you're healing the intestinal tract, it knocks down the bad bugs that might be proliferating. So that's how we navigate that. And that's why we ask that question, because it's, you know, it's, it's uh, problematic again. You know, when I first got into practice 30 years ago, Candida was like a big thing back then, and, 
and slowly, slowly it's kind of waned away, and now it's sort of back in full force, and so is you know, small intestinal bowel bacterial overgrowth, things like that, SIBO. And these are all problems that are, that are, that are challenging, uh, but, they're, but, they're, but when you understand the logic of the body, it may, they make more sense, and how you fix them makes more sense than just you know, doing extreme things like killing, and killing bugs, because it's not great to do that, and very difficult to uh, bring the body back to balance after we you know, use a lot of uh, bactericidal agents, even if they're natural. Um, would the chiral cleanse be okay without the herbs? Sure, you can totally do the chiral cleanse without the herbs. The only thing that the herbs bring to the table, and, uh, and in the chiral cleanse book, all of our versions of the book, we have a brand new one out now, so that's a full-blown cookbook as well, which is super cool, is that when we give you the option to buy herbs locally, I give you altered, alternative suggestions to our herbs, you don't have to just do our herbs, um, but how I created the cleanse with, with the herbs to reboot digestive strength. You take a, a digestive herb like warm, cooler, or gentle digest, uh, beet cleanse for the liver bioflow, and sugar uh, disturber for, for cleaning out the pancreatic ducts before the meal, and turmeric plus liver repair, mangesa for your lymph, uh, and regenerate to kind of clean the body out and drive energy into the body to, after the meal to, clean, to support lymphatic flow, bioflow, pancreatic enzyme production, and liver function. And so we, we, we have this major reboot going on for the upper digestion, and you do that during the entire cleanse because that's what it's really about is to end up where you don't need to take these pills and powders for the rest of the life, your life. And that's sort of why I do it. So I'm a big fan of using the herbs to, um, to help get the full benefit. But uh, yeah, if you did it without it, you would definitely get some, get some really good benefit as well. Um, one more question. Uh, if we lose weight in the cleanse, we just gain it right back after the cleanse. How do we make sure we keep it off? A couple of questions in that regard. Um, if you're worried about losing weight, make sure you eat off the poly meal diet, which is rice, beans, soup, salad, fruit, even lean meat to keep your blood sugar stable is okay. So it's very important that you eat three good meals a day, sometimes even four, to make sure your weight stays stable. You uh, maybe want to dial the herbs down to just one dose of the herbs per day versus three. Uh, you can uh, also uh, make sure you, you don't overshoot the ghee and take too much of the ghee, and, and this is a way to make sure that that happens, and that works you know, really, really well. Um, uh, another question here. Hi, Dr. John, thank you for all your work. I have a vata type. I'm very active. Should I slow down during the cleanse? During the Colorado cleanse, is a, it's a cleanse designed to move and to be active and to go to work and do your stuff. You don't have to live in a bubble or go on retreat. We do, in the book, give you options, if you do want to go on retreat, how to do that. And with yoga and breathing and meditation, things like that, for sure. Even a whole section on self-inquiry, how to do the inner emotional work to while you're burning all this fat to make transformational change with the emotional patterns of behavior we hope that many of us are struggling with to change. So, so I am a big fan to, to slow down during the cleanse and not to schedule extra stuff and to, you know, to really dial it down. During the, the phase one and phase three, we were eating three meals a day and whole foods and you're not you know, in, in, the, in the main seven days. You can exercise and do things like that. During the main seven days, you know, be a little bit more careful, a little more kind and gentle, yoga, breathe, meditation, Use that as a top opportunity to get some deep rest. And if you do exercise, make sure it's on the more mild side. Definitely not time for super vigorous exercise because you're, you're burning fat, but you want to 
You want to reset the body to burn fat, not burn fat and then use it off on a 10-mile run or something like that. We want to take the body into this new fat-burning state in a kind, gentle, and therefore create a more permanent effect in that regard. So yeah, dial it down, meditate more. If you don't know how to meditate, we have our one-minute meditation, which is great. Um, um, also, you know, or, or look at our, our meditation course, but, uh, but we do have some pretty cool meditations. Even the one-minute meditation is great, just, but you know, dial it down the very best you can. And good structure with your meals, meal time, you know, where you're eating regular meals, which is always hard for a Vata body type. I don't have excess weight to lose. Uh, what would you say about fat burning when there isn't much fat to burn? It's more about gaining calmness and stability by three meals a day, no snacks. And that's exactly right. It's really not about fat or skinny. It's about making sure you're burning the right kind of fuel. If you are really skinny, but you need meals all day long, you're not burning fat, okay? You're not delivering, digesting, more than likely, you're probably not digesting the fats, and therefore delivering those fats into your fat cells so you have energy to last. So that is a reset request, you know what I mean, by your body. Hey, I don't have any fat on my body, I burned it all up. Um, I can't store any good fat on my body because I can't break it down fast enough to deliver it. Every time I break it down, whatever I do break down, my body uses it energy. But I can't give my body what it really needs to store and have a little extra, you know, which you're wanting probably to do is have a little bit of a buffer because fat is a buffer for stress. That's why bears hibernate and gain a bunch of weight before, so they have a buffer for the long enduring harsh winter and we need to be able to pull that off and so that's what that's about so that's kind of going to be an upper digestive reset you know with all the herbs we talk about to digest you know to help increase digestive fire function bile flow pancreatic enzymes duodenal enzymes all those guys got to be there for you to be really good to be a good fat burner and really important and efficient bile flow um, so again, thank you for the call. Again, uh, if you're interested in doing the Colorado Cleanse, uh, please join us. Registration ends tomorrow night at midnight. And this is a, for actually uh, the early bird special uh, is over. It was over last week to get the really super discount. But we're giving guys who are on this call uh, the coupon code to actually get the early bird special once again, which is really special, cool. And that uh, coupon code for that early bird special for anytime cleanse or our Colorado group cleanse where you get the, the online support and the emails every morning and the customer service and the, e the form where you can ask over, we have over 500 cleansers so far that are going to be cleansing from all over the world. So you can kind of chat with them and get, share recipes. It's super fun. Online question, uh, 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 question and answer sessions live with me um, and uh, a whole bunch of uh, online uh, information about how to navigate the cleanse and what the cleanse is about and why. We have all kinds of new stuff on the, on the website and in the group support uh, page when you get to that page, when you sign up for that. And that's all um, for, for, you know, on, on a major discount right now until tomorrow night at midnight. And that's Colorado Cleanse CC Podcast 16. That's CC um, Podcast 16. All, no spaces, all the matter of the case. CC Podcast 16. That again, is 15% on off all of our kits and support, and that um, expires tomorrow night at midnight. So I hope you all join us for the Colorado Cleanse. Uh, I'm super psyched about it, can't wait. And thank you for 